Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, my friends. It is Saturday morning, and so happy you are with us. 800-848-WABC is the number to call if you would like to be part of today's program. It's our Saturday morning. We call it our radio extravaganza. I'm thinking that, you know, it's also Saturday rush hour because people are getting to work. They are moving and grooving, so we're thinking about maybe calling it this Saturday morning rush hour. We'll figure it out. It doesn't matter. We're here. You're here. 800-848-WABC is the number to call half Britain. Nick, of course, working the, yeah, working it. Nick looks like he has been out partying all night long. No. You got that look. And it could be. Uh, later in the day, I can't wait to talk with James Flippin about some of the things going on, including that case that he just talked about in Brooklyn. Uh, the uh, the floor, I read the floor had fallen in, not a wall. But anyway, and there's some other things going on there. Derek Hunter, Derek Hunter. We are waiting to see if Derek is going to show up this morning. He may be oversleeping. Uh, Princess Di will be back with us today. Princess Di uh, was not here with us last weekend. We, of course, missed her, but Princess Di will be back. America's small caffeinated mom. Rhonda Schrock will be joining us and later on in the program, too. And your calls. Of course, you heard one of the things that uh, James uh, talked about in his newscast is the strikes that took place. The Biden administration has initiated military action, and they struck, I believe they said, 85 different strikes, but it was over seven locations. So they they hit 85 targets, apparently, and they said they got exactly what they wanted to get. I read that there were 18 uh, casualties on the ground in, in one of those locations. Iran and Syria are said to be very upset. 85 targets over seven sites in Iraq and Syria. Both Syria and Iraq have condemned the action. They say that this is going to make matters, uh, tensions rise. Really? Well, maybe you should ask Iran to stop operating in your country with their proxies. And Joe Biden and his administration are warning that there are going to be other attacks. <coughs> These strikes constitute a violation of Iraqi sovereignty and an undermining of the efforts of the Iraqi government. One of the uh, I- Iraqi generals, a guy by the name of Yaha Rasul, said, a spokesman for the military, he said the U.S. strikes are unacceptable. They will 
drag Iraq and the region into unforeseen circumstances. Well, what do you think is going to happen if you keep allowing these Iran-backed groups to attack Americans and kill Americans? What do you think? The Syrian defense ministry called the attacks blatant air aggression. Hmm, okay. 26 sites connected with Iran-backed militias. They hit bases where some of their, uh, these, these Iran-backed anti-U.S. forces are said to be. They also hit grain silos. According to the New York Times, at least 18 members of an Iranian-backed group have been killed. So we shall see. I don't know if any of you are worried that this is going to plunge us. For, Joe Biden has made it clear that he does not, and he's said so, don't, we don't want a war with Iran. I contend that, and I have been saying this all along, this issue will never be solved until Iran is dealt with. Iran is not going to stop. There's no way Iran is going to stop. So there's that. I don't know whether or not you guys feel comfortable flying these days. You say, Nick, you're sort of, sort of, sort of with it, sort of not. I have never had issues flying, but there are so many stories now. After the that little piece of fuselage popped out of the Alaska Airlines jet, so there's a big story today in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Flight emergencies have turned some flyers into armchair investigators. And I'm wondering if you if you if you are a, a flyer, a frequent flyer, or whatever, are you one of those? Now it's social media full of complaints from airline passengers, dirty seats, barefoot neighbors, reclining chairs. Sometimes the long waits that people have to endure on the tarmacs. But sometimes, say the writers of this piece in the Amazon Prime, Washington Post, things take on a more nervous tone. What's that strange noise? Is that smoke? Why is someone putting tape on the plane, are screws missing on that wing? That was this issue of screws on the wing. That actually happened about a week ago. A flight was canceled when a passenger noticed that there were several bolts that were missing on the wing of a plane. Now, the airline later on said, look, this, this it, there was never any danger here. A few screws were missing, yeah, but that that wing was held together by, you know, hundreds, a hundred, blah, 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 screws, and three or four knocking. But that was pretty sharp for someone to actually notice, looking out of a window, that there were several bolts missing on an airline wing. So out of an abundance of caution, the flight was canceled. The article goes on to say that there are a surprising number of travelers who think 
that if there was some kind of emergency, they could safely land a passenger plane. It notes that there are more tools than ever for passengers to monitor flights, track the type of plane that they're on, and that there's a lot of angst out there now about flying. There was a Virgin Atlantic flight from Manchester to New York that was canceled after a British passenger noticed several missing screws. The traveler, Phil Hardy, 41, told Kennedy News Media Agency that he took photos, alerted a flight attendant after he spotted it while they were doing their safety check. This passenger said it was definitely at the top of his mind. He's seen enough crash investigations to know it doesn't take a whole lot to bring down a plane. Really? That's it. Well, anyway, I think that's a bit debatable. Despite assurances from the airline that there was no problem with the wing, Hardy says his partner started to panic, the woman that was with him. So the flight was canceled. They got a 4.30 a.m. flight the next day. They couldn't see. It was pitch black out there. They couldn't see what was what when they tried to do the next inspection of the plane. Airbus. It was an Airbus. It wasn't a Boeing. It was an Airbus. Said the four missing fastener tops had no impact at all on the structural integrity of the wing or the plane's ability to operate safely. There are 119 screws on a secondary structure panel that's just used to improve the plane's aerodynamic performance. Virgin Atlantic, that's the flight, said that they canceled the flight to provide time for precautionary additional engineering maintenance checks, et cetera, et cetera. So here's my question to you. Given what has happened, and also given the fact that mediocrity seems to be on the rise, I mean, there was a story a few weeks ago about doctors and the number of people that end up not coming home from the hospital because of human error, not the sickness that they went into the hospital with. Are we in a world where declining standards in just about everything are causing you to worry? Should you be concerned? I would never think, and I like to fly. I love to fly, actually. I would never think, and I don't usually, I don't even usually notice the equipment. That's what it's called. What equipment that I'm on until I'm actually on it. I don't go, oh, what am I flying, a a uh, a, a 750, a Max Jet? I don't care. I care about the seats. Do I have enough room that I'm not going to be scrunched up in the flight outside of that? Get me there on time. Whatever the equipment is, it's the equipment. But there are now passengers that are checking what equipment they are flying on to make sure that they're not on the flight where a piece of the fuselage could pop out. 
Is that you? Do you care? Are you worried about declining standards? Not just with air travel, but in all aspects of our culture. Is this something that you should be concerned with? Okay, we have other things that are going on in New York. We talked about this briefly yesterday. The city has now launched a $53 million, $53 million to give prepaid debit cards to illegal immigrants. $53 million. There's more to the story than was first reported yesterday. If you are the beneficiary of one of these cards now that has your welfare payment for coming to the country illegally, yes, you come to America illegally, America will not send you back home. You will be rewarded with cash. Come in, get your cash, get your cash money. You can get a debit card. You, too, can go shopping Or you can feel free to join in the criminal enterprises. We will get to that in a bit. But this is the part I did not know because this was not reported on yesterday. It is being reported on today. If you are an illegal immigrant coming into Nueva York, yeah, you're going to get a prepaid debit card that has cash on it. But you have to sign an affidavit. Now think about the absurdity of this for a minute. You are undocumented. You have come here from another country. You are in America illegally. Yet you are being asked, oh, we want to give you money. But before we give you money, you have to sign an affidavit promising us that you're only going to spend the money on food and baby supplies. That's right. You have to promise. Ooh, ooh. Only going to spend the money on food and baby supplies. Now, a spokesperson for... Mayor Adams is claiming that spending this $53 million to give illegal immigrants debit cards is going to actually save New York City money. This is politician speak. We're going to spend $53 million, but we're going to do that. We're going to end up saving $7 million annually because... This is going to streamline the spending, make it more efficient. So now if you're housed in one of the free hotels that other citizens, that citizens of America would have to pay to be in, if you've come here illegally and you have been granted a nice hotel room, now you're going to get more spending money on a debit card, but you have to promise in writing and they're going to check, 
and it will go on their permanent record if they lie. They're only going to spend the money on baby food and food and baby supplies. Can't go out and spend the money on anything else. And there's somebody's going to be checking. And this is all going to benefit the New Yorkers. There are no more food stamps. Food stamps, I was just asked, why not food stamps? There are no such thing as food stamps anymore. Food stamps are now EBT cards. They are debit cards. Ah, you can, people spend debits, people spend, there are unscrupulous people that will take the debit cards that are meant for food, quote unquote, stamps, and apply it toward a lot of things. Well, I don't know why they didn't do it. All I know is they're giving away the money. They're giving away the money. No wick. Look, $53 million, they're giving away the money. How dare anybody question them? 800-848-WABC is the number, 800-WABC. Davis Golden, a.k.a. Snurley here. On this day, of course, in music history, The big story today is this is the anniversary of the quote-unquote day that music died. This is the day that Buddy Holly's, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper all died in that plane crash. This is also a day that Jim Weatherly passed away. This is one of his songs, Gladys Knight and the Pips did it, Midnight Train to Georgia. WABC Talk Radio 77. It is Saturday morning, 800-848-WABC is how you reach us. I'm looking forward to chatting it up with you. We've got so much more on our radio extravaganza. Saturday morning on WABC. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Well, that'll be the day when you say goodbye. Yes, that'll be the day when you make me cry. You say you're going to leave. Yeah, 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 another airplane. Into, we just got through talking about planes, yeah. Uh, rising of rock stars, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, J.P. the Big Bopper, Richardson, all killed. It was a Beechcraft Bonanza, private plane. Tried to take off from Iowa, Mason City, headed to Minnesota. Bad weather pilot error brought it down. Buddy Holly, as you may know, if you're familiar with the story, had difficulties with their tour bus, so he tried to charter a plane. And there was a lot of swapping. Waylon Jennings gave up his seat for the big bopper Richardson. Richie Valens won a coin toss to grab another seat. So they got on the plane. Didn't make it. 
the plane, the big bopper went down. He was 28 years old. He was a disc jockey who started writing songs. He wrote Chantilly Lace. And, of course, you know Richie Valens, La Bamba, Donna, Let's Go, Come On, and, of course, Buddy Holly, and who had been with the Crickets. The Crickets had just broken up. But he had been on the road, Peggy Sue, oh, boy, maybe early in the morning. And, of course, that you heard, that this would be the day that I die. It just broke, I think, when this happened. I'm not sure about that. But, anyway, it was just, what a tragedy. And still remembered today. So, I mean, one of the biggest stories, actually, in music history at that moment. So, <sighs> there is, of course, more immigration news, my friends. Not only is New York City handing out 53, and New York is not alone. Every single, we talked about this yesterday, in Roxbury, Massachusetts. Roxbury is a predominantly black neighborhood in Massachusetts, the liberal state of Massachusetts. They closed down the rec center there, the swimming center, so that they can house illegal immigrants in there, and residents are furious. And the government is pretty much just dismissing them. Well, we're doing the best we can. Of course, they're not shutting down facilities in the governor's neighborhood. And this is the way that the Democrat Party, and I mentioned this yesterday, if you are a black Democrat and you are just so loyal to the Democrat Party, Democrat Party's done so much for me. This is normal. This is how you are treated by your party. They, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they've been making a big pitch now. Next primary comes up, their first real primary, because they knocked off New Hampshire and Iowa because the people in New Hampshire and Iowa are too white. Too many white people in New Hampshire and Iowa. So the Democrats said, nope. We are not going to honor the fact that they go first. Never mind that. We're going to put South Carolina first because there are more black people in South Carolina, and we want black people to decide up front, up front, what happens in presidential sweepstakes. So what happens? Black people hear that, yay, they care, they care. But no, they don't care because everything that is really of value, your neighborhood, your schools, your safety, your economy in your neighborhoods, none of that is ever dealt with seriously in a way that would allow you, your families to prosper. So you and and you're treated like second class citizens. Roxbury, oh yeah, yeah. We need somewhere to house people that are here illegally in the country. Where do we put them? In Massachusetts, in Baston. Where are we gonna put them? Oh, I know. Let's stick them over there in the black neighborhood. They'll gripe a bit, but so what? They'll come out and vote for us anyway. Where else are they gonna go? We have got them so bamboozled. The way the liberals think about it, the only place, they hate Republicans. We've told them for years, Republicans are racist, and they bought it. So we can treat these people any way we want to treat them. We want to close your rec center? Yeah, we'll close your rec centers. We'll do everything we can, and you're still going to vote for us. That is the attitude 
that you are getting every day in every major city in America when it comes to education. You, black parents, you don't have a choice where you can send your kids. Democrats will not let you send your children to the schools that you want to send your children to. Oh, Derek Hunter's alive. Hello, Hello. Derek. Hey, Jim, barely alive. We had, uh... What happened, man? You had a late night last night. I hope it was a good night, Derek. <sighs> I got a tooth out of it, not my tooth. Quinn's tooth, front tooth that has been loose for two and months or more finally fell out actually i had to take it out and it was a fight to, to get it out oh <sighs> no was she traumatized she was traumatized and crying and shaking right up to the moment that it was out and then she was like oh wow it's gone it's over okay <laughs> that was it they were like you're kidding me right like did she buy? wait a minute did you did you do the whole tooth fairy thing did she buy the whole tooth fairy act oh yeah Oh, yeah. How much dough did you leave her? Five. Derek, you gave your kid five bucks for a tooth? Yeah. I offered her 20 to take. I offered her 20 to take it if she took it out herself last night. You offered her 20 bucks to take out her own tooth. Dude, this thing is barely hanging there. She's eating out of the side of her mouth. It was a front tooth right in front. She's eating out of the side of her mouth. She's nibbling. The thing was never going to fall. She was going to go to college with this thing at this rate. <laughs> and I was just like, I, it's got to go. It was flapping there. And it, like, it wasn't connected anymore. It was, except for just a little bit. And she would not do it. She would. I'm like, do you want mommy to do it? Mommy, like, you want mommy to do it. You don't want me to do it. Like, mommy. You can open your mouth and let mommy do it, or I'll get it out, and I don't need you to open your mouth. <laughs> and it was literally like an hour, hour and a half of her crying, going, I'm scared, I'm scared, like you've lost teeth before, you've not nothing to be scared of, blah, blah, blah. Finally, I just had enough. She would not open her mouth, and like, all right, well, I know all it needs to be is moved to fall out, so I basically... Started. I've had the paper towel on my fingers because it'd be slippery. Kind of moved my hands into her mouth. She was fighting and fussing and bloom, and then it was. I could tell I knocked it, bopped it. It was gone, and she's like, huh? "What?" She spit it out. She's like, "It's out. It's over." This is like, "Oh my god, you're kidding me!" I expected it. There was no tears. There was no crying. Nothing. The second it was out, literally, like a, a switch was flipped. And I'm like, this is an hour and a half of my life. I'm never going to get back again. <laughs> I love it. Do you have to take the girls out later today? Well, I have to just because, not because of this. We have to go to, they're meeting up with a friend of theirs. Oh, okay. No soccer games, no none of that stuff today. No, thank God. They Sadly, they've kind of given up on sports. They have. I don't get it. They're not boys. They're not boys. We'll see They're if it sticks, boys. but they don't want to play soccer anymore because they don't like it. They don't blah, blah, blah. Somebody kicked their balls, and uh, they didn't like that. And like, oh, Boys man. don't like it when you kick their um, – anyway. No, they uh, don't. But I, there, was a, there was a boy there that was kicking everybody else's soccer ball, and I advised <laughs> them to maybe take care of it that way. Drives yeah. them mad. Derek, I got to ask you. There's some stories in the news I got to ask you about. 
Especially yeah. this whole business, this feud Donald Trump is having with the UAW. Mm-hmm. Feud nothing. It's just, you know, the union goon over there hates Donald Trump. So big deal. I mean, that's not really new, but Donald's you know, making It's a- funny because Sean Fain, the, the president of the UAW, first of all, he sounds like an Irish terrorist organization. But secondly, he... <laughs> He admitted on Neil Cavuto, like, yeah, most of my members are going to vote for Donald Trump anyway. But, <laughs> but you know what, though? You spent a bunch of when you you dance with the girl who brung you, and you stick with the politician you own. So they got to stick with Joe Biden. They got the guy's trying to to British nanny the auto industry, and uh, they go, yeah, but still, it's, let's let's stick with Joe Biden. I don't get it. I don't get it. But, you know, I'm not an overpaid union goon. I don't have the ability to spend money other people have been uh, forced to give me. I'm not a government official or a union goon. Wonderful. Derek Hunter, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy, WABC. It is Saturday morning. 800-848 is the number to reach us. Oh, there is, of course, Da Fanny News. Da Fanny <laughs> is, yeah, Da Fanny she copped to it, but it's didn't not. She, she didn't she it. swear up and down at the black church where she claimed victimhood that all of this was garbage and a lie and never it was in a million racist. years have yeah. it? Isn't there, is there any consequence for that? Of course not. Of course not. I have been told that the black church is rather sacred in the black community, so I would think that not only lying in a church to the congregation would be bad, but doing so from the pulpit might not be I don't know, the key She's to future success. Da Fanny has large power. We got, we'll be right back. WABC Talk Radio 77. Stick with us. Imagine getting your favorite D'Agostino Supermarkets products without ever leaving your home. Order online via Instacart, Uber, or DoorDash and enjoy home delivery across New York City. So please, Mr. D'Agostino, move closer to me. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Richie Valens brings us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Derek Hunter's with us. So, Derek, um, we talked about, earlier I talked about this New York City effort. They're giving 53 million bucks debit cards to illegal aliens in New York. They claim, New York City claims that by giving $53 million in debit cards to illegal aliens, they're going to save money. They're going to actually save $7 million annually by giving $53 million in debit card. But they're making the illegal aliens promise they have to sign an affidavit, uh, which to me amazes, is, is amazing, you come into the country illegally. You're undocumented. There's no real vetting on who you are. But we're going to take your word for it because you're going to sign an affidavit saying that you're only going to use the money for food and to buy baby supplies. And you're going to get a grand a month, family of four. Well, there's no more honest group of people in the world than people who've entered the country illegally. They're better than all of us in every way, shape, or form, James. I have heard Democrats pinky swear this to the American people, so there's no reason to doubt it. 
Um, I am right now taking an online learning course to give myself a Spanish accent so that I can participate in this as well. And I think that every American should do that since you the point of being undocumented is that you can't document yourself. Everybody, I grant you honorary Canadian status or whatever. Just go ahead and claim this. Milk this cow for all it's worth. It might as well be some Americans getting involved in this and taking advantage of this. But yes, you got to make money to spend money to make money. You can dig your way out of a hole. All of this logic that these, these people come up with, it's absolutely insane. Um, you want to incentivize, I mean, it's, this is an incentive. This is why they come to New York anyway. It's funny because it was, they're, they're overwhelmed by what, 40,000 people or whatever. Oh, we can't handle it. There's too many people. Every year, you know that the vast majority or a large percentage of illegal aliens across the border go to the major cities already, right? It's just that they came in individually. They filtered in over time. They filtered in on their own pace. They're just doing it now on buses, and everybody knows where they are. The activists know where they are. The media knows where they are. And so the politicians scramble to go, well, we have to show how compassionate we are. Let's put them up somewhere. Where were they going before? We don't know. It didn't matter. But now that people are watching, everybody has to care. And they're throwing $53 million, and their argument is it's a drop in the bucket, and it's going to save money over time. There are no consequences for being wrong, James. There's no consequences for being wrong. So why not? Why not? Well, I have and a there friend, are people who are going to take advantage of it, so you can't prove friend. that you're an illegal alien. Just like you I have can't. a dear friend, Derek, that lives in Ohio. She just texted me this while we were talking about this. She said her grandson is visiting her in Ohio from Florida. He ha- knows a female. He's from ve- a female migrant mm. who is bragging to this group of friends, them included, that she has six different IDs. So she's getting benefits under each one of these different IDs. She's not documented. She can be anybody she wants to be. So she's decided to be six people. Now, you apply that to these cards, getting six different IDs, six grand a month, potentially under different IDs if this is widespread. There was another case, Derek, CNN. They called in one of their legal experts. He happens to be an ex-cop. And he told them, they were flabbergasted. I think the story's at the Daily Mail this morning, flabbergasted to the point that they were stunned mouths shut when he said, here's what's happening in New York. They are committing crimes, organized crimes, rings of illegal immigrants operating Mm. in New York. But they go down to Florida to spend the money. Well, why are they doing that? Florida doesn't send them to jail if they get caught. No, no. Florida sends them to jail if they get caught doing the crime. They steal in New York because they don't steal in Florida. Because if they get caught in Florida stealing, they go to jail. In New York, they... You can beat the hell out of a cop. You can pretend you're punting a, a cop's head, and you get to double bird flip the, the media as you walk out and go, ah, look at us. We're the victims. Um, yeah. Everybody knows this happens. This is one of those things where it's the shock to find out there's gambling going on here in this casino. You're, we were told that we were assured, we were, we were lectured that these people were our moral betters. That they committed. That's fewer, right. That they committed fewer crimes 
than Americans commit. They never mention the fact that uh, Democrat administrations and liberal governors expressly forbid the collection of the data of prisoners to find out their immigration status. They like It's amazing what you don't find when you refuse to look for it, right? And we were told all this, and we were also assured, James, that this that the sweet, sweet, sweet nourishing illegal alien, they're not migrants. Migrants migrate. These are illegal aliens. They're not going anywhere. Uh, we were assured that they wanted to, that they were an economic boon. They, they were the driving force behind our economy. We Americans were, without us, we'd be in constant recession if it were just Americans. It was the illegal aliens that added so much, not only to our culture, which we're not allowed if you're not of that culture to enjoy, but also to our economy. And yet every, if that were true, if anything the Democrats said were true uh, for years, they would all, all of these liberal mayors and governors would be scrambling desperately saying send them here send them here martha's vineyard would be installing an airport that could handle a larger plane saying please send them here but they're not as soon as they're landing there they're going okay we're going to send you there get out of here they are all scrambling because and they're saying they can't afford this influx of well, you mean you can't afford a massive influx of economic growth? What's going on here? It's almost as though somebody's been lying to us. I hope voters are paying attention. I hope I, I hope voters are paying attention. I wish Republicans were able to communicate and were running ads on this already, but uh, according to some of the data I've seen, the Republicans might not have any money. So <laughs> I read that today, too. Rona's out begging for money and begging for unity. Yeah. Because there's, quote-unquote, no unity in the Republican Party right now. She's, Bell, we will be unified, but they're having a cash problem. How is this possible that the RNC cannot raise money right now? How is it possible? Well, who's the leadership? That's how it's possible. Yeah, it's incompetence. It's amazing what it can accomplish when it sets its mind to screwing things up. Jeez, I... <sighs> ABC had, News. This is one of those a- things. It's you know you sit there and you say, well, Chicago. They made, they elected Brandon Johnson. They had a chance to go for a sane person. They went for a lunatic, ultra uber leftist guy, and this is what you get. The same thing for the Republican National Committee. They had a chance to change leadership, and they said, no, we want to stick with the leadership we have. Yeah, Harmeet Dillon ran, and Harmeet. Yeah. And you look at it, you go, what in the hell is it about Ron, Romney McDaniel? Where you're like. I need more of this. I need. I like the way that she sucks. I like the way she's terrible. Nobody loses quite the way that she does. So let's go and and stick with this. If you look at the expenses, James, they're spending a ton of. They spent a ton of money, including where is it? Management media booking consultants, one hundred sixteen thousand three hundred forty one dollars and twenty seven cents. What do you? What do you need a media booking consultant for when your only media appearances are on Fox News? Don't you have those relationships already? What are you paying for? <laughs> the DNC spent zero, allegedly, because they don't need to. Rachel Maddow is their booking agent. She does it on a voluntary basis. Right. But I bet you that there was a, they didn't hire somebody who's a media consultant out of the phone book. They didn't do an extensive Google search to find out who the best one was. It was, oh, you know who does media consulting? Tony. Oh, Tony. I love Tony. Let's get Tony. That's kind of how politics works. Never the question, hey, is Tony any good? Hey, do we need Tony at all? It's, 
we got a huge pile of somebody else's money. We should get some to Tony. Why not? Yeah. Tony will then well, hire me when I'm out of work after I uh, drive this giant cruise ship into an iceberg. Let's do this thing. Well, there's an ABC News story today, too. Uh, black voters weigh Biden's influence ahead of South Carolina's Democrat presidential primary. <laughs> now, they talk to. Now, first of all, this is one of the things that just drives me crazy. One of the things in here is a quote from this guy that they talk to, Charles E. Maxwell. A barbershop is a black man's country club. It is a place. I mean, just can we stop with the barbershop stereotype, please? This is like every election season. Oh, let's go to a black barbershop. For heaven's sakes, there are more things in a, com- a community than a barbershop. No, James, that is it. Black men sit around the barbershop talk about black women. That's all they do. Go to the barbershop. And basketball. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Look, I've this seen what like, LeBron James well, why puts not out just put there. some watermelon in it, too. They go to the barbershop and have watermelon. You know, it's funny. I mean, this really? is a stereotype that is embraced. LeBron James produced a TV show. I've, I don't know if it's called the barbershop. It's something to do with that. Where he just sits around with other rich, famous black men talking in a barbershop. It's probably a set somewhere. But it's like I don't, I didn't, I don't know this. I didn't know this. Oddly enough, James, I'm breaking news. I hope you're sitting down. I did not grow up in the black community. Uh, the lady who cut my hair was my friend's mom. So she came to the house and cut my hair, and we didn't shoot the breeze a whole lot. Her name was Rita, and uh, you know, God bless her. She did, a, she did a fine straight bang. But uh, and, and don't read too much into that. I'm talking about the hair. But okay. she. Um, She's perfectly fine. We did not get a chance to catch up on all the gossip that was going on. I think my mom and her talked about crocheting. But I had no idea that this was a phenomenon until that movie came along. Well, so it's it's supposedly a big phenomenon with ABC. They believe it. They wish they printed it. So the black barbershop, so they, so they went to a, a barbershop. They talked to some black people. They talked to black voters. They didn't speak to everybody. They talked to a few black voters. And supposedly... Uh, you know, it's it's a puff piece for Joe Biden, as you might expect. Yeah. They don't ever talk about the problems, and there are. I, am, I imagine problems. the underlying assumption is that all black people are going to vote for Democrats. It's just a matter of whether or not much. they'll show up. It's not. There's no. They're not going to vote Republican. Right. Maybe a couple will. The weird one, your weird uncle. But it's black voters, Democrats. But will they show up for Joe? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. Yeah. You can do the story without even doing it. You don't have to. Uh, a mid polling numbers, a mid low polling numbers with the black community. South Carolina Democrat Party launched a We Go First tour. They're making 156 stops. And dig this. One of the things that they said, and this just blows my mind, they went to 156 stops. The tour was a chance for the Biden campaign as well as other candidates to make an appeal to this often overlooked community. <laughs> Who is overlooking them? <laughs> every every year they clamor for the black vote. Will it show up? Will they do this? Will they do often over? Now they are often overlooked because the second the black community votes for Democrats, Democrats immediately ignore them for four years. Exactly. So in that sense, exactly. they are overlooked. But every four years, they get the spotlight on them like it's a, a sun about to smash into the earth. We got to take a break, Derek. WABC Talk Radio 77. It is Saturday morning. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. Your calls are coming up. We're also going to speak with James Flippin, 
Coming up later in the show, WABC News Princess Di is back with us this week. Can't wait to check in with Her Majesty. There was a big Muchel Obama story that Princess Di is probably not going to want to talk with me about. Because it just goes completely against this grain that Princess Di and her spider web of operatives around the country have been pushing that it's going to be Michelle Obama. But we will deal with that. There is also Da Fanny. Da Fanny is in the news, and we will deal with Da Fanny Fanny a little bit later. That, too. (laughs) Somebody likes it, though. And it's the day the music died. We talked about that, right. and we played. We played Richie Valens. We played Buddy Holly. What about J.P. Richie and the Quickets? The Big Bopper. We didn't get to the Big Bopper. Hello, baby. So we'll be right back. Your calls too. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Hello, baby. Yeah, this is the <laughs> Big Bopper speaking. <laughs> Chad Jilly Lace. Oh, you sweet thing. Will I what? Will I what? On WABC Talk Radio 77. (laughs) The music is alive. The talk is alive. We have it rock and rolling here on WABC in the morning. Derek Hunter is with us. Hey, Derek, I got to ask you a question about a story. I I covered this week. Derek, this story made me so mad. I talked about it for two days. A story made you mad? What? I I am still infuriated every time I see it. Lindsey Gramnesty. Lindsey Gramnesty. Now, I am not a fan of Facebook. I'm not a fan of a lot of the social media companies. I do believe that Section 230 should have been repealed a long time ago. That's what gives these guys, gives these guys the monopoly. They can pretend not to be publishers, et cetera, et cetera. The immunity. Different yeah. issue. Lindsey Graham and, and then this guy Crenshaw. I don't know what to make of this guy, Crenshaw. But anyway. He's, he's once, he aspires to be John McCain, it seems like. Okay, he's, you know what? Thank you. Because you, thank you. He aspires to be John McCain. That puts it in the nutshell. Okay. They berate this guy. You have blood on your hands. You have blood on your hands. It's like, and then he, this guy stupidly gets up, turns around to the audience, and starts apologizing to parents. I know. It's posturing, it's peacocking, it's garbage. It was annoying to me, and I saw all these so-called conservatives on social media going, yeah, yeah, I I don't like Zuckerberg, I don't like Facebook. Every transit, 
Every transaction with Facebook is voluntary. You don't have to join. You don't have Thank to you. join. You, every bit of their data mining. No, you give them the information. They know your date of birth, not because they broke into your house and found your birth certificate. They know your date of birth because you input it. They know where you went to college because you put it in there. They know where you went to school, where you work, because you gave them that information. And it's you gave trade. your kids... You gave your kids an iPad yep. and, 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 and whatever and told them it's okay to go on Facebook. I feel bad. I, I watched Facebook, Josh Holly go, do you want to stand up? Do you want to apologize? It was all for show. It was all for show. They, there were other CEOs up there they mostly ignored. They went after Zuckerberg because he was the biggest fish. That's how you can tell they don't care. Every public hearing is not for end. There was no information gained from there it was i get a chance to yell at a rich white guy this is going to be great everybody hates big tech yet everybody uses big tech we changed the law you don't have to take it you don't have to sign up for twitter you notice elon musk wasn't there because he's in favor with some of these people right now so it's garbage it was absolute crap at the time i said it like i don't like mark zuckerberg i'm not a big fan of facebook my birthday on facebook is like 1911 i recognize that they don't know where I live because I didn't tell them where they live. They don't know where I've worked because I didn't tell them where I work. They don't know when I, anything about it because I know that I'm the product. They can send me ads to my timeline. That's fine. That's the exchange I make to be able to you know, catch up with people from high school. I perfectly understand that. But the idea that somebody, the one example Lindsey Graham did, I looked it up. I can't remember the name. It's a sad story of a 17-year-old who got catfish. Somebody contacted him, said it was a girl, and then somehow got nude, him to send nude pics. I hate to say it, and I tried, I did it on my podcast, and I did it as delicately as I possibly could, but parents have to pay attention to what their kids are doing Amen. online. Amen. You're the parents. And you have to instill in your kids that people aren't who they say they are online. They don't have to be, and you never, ever, under any circumstances, send nude pictures. What you say? You, 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 you're who you say you are. Tell people where they can find you online, Derek, because we're running out of time. Uh, Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, or just Derek, just search Derek Hunter Podcast. You get the daily podcast. There's a weekend podcast. There's columns at Town Hall. Just uh, D-E-R-E-K Hunter, and you can't miss me. I'm the big, hairy, ugly one. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, James. Sorry I was late. No worries, man. We're here Home next dentistry week takes time. I get it, brother. <laughs> okay, our number one in the can, our number duo coming up. If you are on hold, we have great callers. Thank you for your patience. Stay on hold. We're going to check in with some news and then your call. So stay right there. Later, Princess Die. Later, America's small caffeinated mom. A mom. Later, me. Coming back right now, WABC News with James Flippin. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are for our number duo. If you are on hold, please stay there. We are going to grab your phone calls. 800-848-WABC is that number to call. 
Uh, James Flippin is here. James, you did a few news stories that just I really want to get into a little bit of depth with you. The first one is on this transfer of our military service people back to the, who, who've been repatriated from where they lost their lives overseas back to the United States. It is very rare that I will compliment uh, the mainstream press for coverage, but the New York Times this morning, folks, has a piece on the dignified transfer. I, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it is really hard for me to keep my composure because this stuff really just hurts my heart. Um, it, it touches me in a way that I can't explain. The tears almost just start flowing immediately looking at the casket. And they go through it in a very beautiful presentation this morning. And in one image, it's called The Dignified Transfer. And it is photographs and text by Kenny Holston in the New York Times. And as you scroll down, they explain under this photograph on the flight line, under a somber gray sky, everything and everyone had a place. And then first Joe Biden is there, President Biden, and the first lady is next to him. Next to them is Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin III and General Charles Q. Brown, who is the Junior, who is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And, of course, they are saluting. The defense secretary has his hand over his heart. And the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is saluting. The two men with decades of military experience. And the one that just really... <sighs> Soldiers from the 3rd U.S. Infantry are carrying the casket of our fallen soldier. They are the oldest active duty unit in the United States Army. They are traditionally known as the Old Guard. And they are the ones that are returning our fallen soldier back to American soil. And they go through the story. Again, it is very touching. They go through the process, what happens, the and explain to you what happens next. All of these soldiers will have to go through an autopsy before they return to their families. They were killed overseas, so each one of them and their families will decide if they will be buried at Arlington National Cemetery. They have that right, but that decision is uh, left up to family members. And it is just, it is just, it is just one of these things that if you take a moment and you explore it. It, it, James, it's just really touching. Yeah, I mean, I find myself getting a little emotional thinking about it myself, Bo. Um, you know, having been to, um, you know, Arlington National Cemetery and having seen the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and and the, you know, honor and the respect and just the dignity that goes with everything that you're talking about, it kind of, you know, speaks to what is entailed in everything we know about military service, right? That the ultimate sacrifice is just a second away, a possibility away, uh, somewhere out in this outpost in Jordan that, you know, I know for somebody like you and myself, probably any given day, that's the farthest thing from our thoughts, right? Is right. some outpost right. in Jordan. Um, but at the same time, when you have this ceremony like you're talking about, and when you consider things like, Arlington National Cemetery and just everything. 
it brings it home, right? It brings home and you think about all the death that's been involved for the U.S. military and for various campaigns and, you know, the maintenance of freedom and, you know, uh, World War II and Vietnam and the the Middle East and how it's just never ending. You know what I mean? Like it gets to be overwhelming after a while. But you're well served in pointing out that, you know, a publication like the New York Times, which I think you and I probably oftentimes more than not will get on the New York Times for a lot of the stuff they do. Um, good on them. This was beautiful. Yeah, this good on them beautiful. for doing something like that because it really ought to be the kind of thing that is presented in those yeah. colors and emotions and words that, you know, kind of help bring home everything that you're feeling about it right now. Yep. Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Landon Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffat are the three American soldiers that we lost in, in, in Jordan. And the work that they were doing, they were doing work like like helping – roads helping to do things and and to they weren't involved in combat activity right they were and so this was just it's but any moment these are people who when they sign on to protect this nation and to serve this nation they can lose their lives and their families of course will never be the same and it is just it is um i and i do i just want to give a, a note of praise to the new york times for their coverage of this today because it was just simply beautiful, and um, it's very touching. And for those of you, um, I posted uh, the gift a gift article on my Twitter feed of it. So if you can't get behind the paywall of the New York Times, if that's an issue, you can check it out on my Twitter feed, the story, if you want to see it. Uh, James, there's another story here that goes takes me from teary to almost insane laughter. Hmm. Goodbye for now to the robot that sort of patrolled New York subways. Mayor Adams (laughs) rolled out this big tech idea. They're going to put this robot. And I I kept saying, what does this thing look like? And I couldn't figure it out until some one of the news stories I saw, but there are a bunch of news stories about it, call it like Wally on, it looks like a sad Wally. Yeah, right. If you've seen that movie. Yes. And so there's a story that has now been sent to storage. And then they talked about this thing that was supposed to surveil the subways, this robot. And if you see a picture of it, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. And they ended up having to have patrolmen guard the surveillance unit because people were abusing it. Now, I don't know what kind of abuse this w- robot was getting, but I can only imagine what kind of abuse this robot took trying to patrol Times Square. And I don't know how much this thing costs, but it can't be cheap. The Nightscope K5 robot. And it ended its brief tour exile to a vacant storefront all alone. It has now been sent to storage. Yeah, kind of a sad ending, at least for now anyway, for... uh the police robot but no i mean look this thing um looks like you said kind of like a i don't know like a big r2d2 or something like that if you're a star wars fan and it kind of didn't have a lot of functionality you know what i mean like again i'm trying to help describe to somebody who hasn't seen it before what this robot is it didn't have hands it didn't have 
legs. It's got little wheels that it would kind of roll around on. And so it obviously couldn't navigate stairs. It can't navigate stairs. And it would just kind of, you know, roll back and forth. And I guess, I don't know, it blinks and boops and it's got lights on it and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what else it does. Um, but it's certainly not a, uh, impressive crime fighting force in the sense that you would, imagine i guess like a what a robocop or something like that i mean again that's um not not what this thing is i i don't really know what they were hoping for but i i will say this you know it seems like mayor adams has a real fascination with the use of technology when it comes to improving police and stuff like that you know he thinks that the drones are a big thing with the cops um you know he's very into obviously uh like we said he was the one who kind of rolled out this this robot um that now has been mothballed but i i don't know i i have to say that i think that if nothing else you would think the robot kind of provides some extra eyes and ears in a place like a subway platform but i mean you know is that not being accomplished with the overhead cameras and stuff like that so Exactly. I, I don't know. Like, it, what the, was the point of this? Well, the biggest thing is, Bo, and you made the and point. The poor thing suffered abuse. Right. They had to have the cops <laughs> with it. They had it had to have an escort, more or less. So when Adams first rolled the thing out, he talked about how uh, it's it's an under minimum wage employee. It doesn't have to go to the bathroom. It doesn't have to eat lunch. You know that type of thing. Calling it a good investment, but um, yeah, that's all true. But I mean, what does it do? I think that's the that's the bigger problem. So, um, I don't know. It was designed to be autonomous and kind of operate on its own, but yes, it did need to have those human handlers. And then you have this incident out there in Brooklyn. My goodness, this guy, uh, a construction worker, was killed, and the house apparently had been uh, uh, now what I read of uh, the first floor collapse. Yeah, I think you know sometimes I guess when you when you read some of these news reports of, of these stories it, it, it depends on when it was first published and they're still trying to figure out exactly what happened um i've heard it described as also a partial wall collapse or something like that but yeah the fdny more or less said this v section of the floor and i think it's a two-story or a two-family home um it collapsed and so the worker fell obviously and and all the d- debris and and dirt and there's metal beams involved somehow came down on top of the guy and killed the worker and it sounds like the work had been shut down this was not supposed to be going on you know work had been shut down there at that site in borough park potentially sometime earlier this month i'm trying to see exactly when that was but we know that work was not supposed to be going on there um in some way shape and form allegedly this is like an illegal operation that was going on i guess um somebody said they shouldn't have had the kind of equipment that they did in there they had one of those little bobcats you know the little like uh uh, construction equipment pieces that they use. So they're going to have to continue investigating what's going on, but there could be multiple fines at the location, potentially upwards of six figures of fines. And then also it does look like somebody could face criminal charges. You know, the, the yeah, building owner. They had give this guy, they had a stop work order there. Right. Because the guy was working without a permit. Yep. Now, as much as I rag on government, I mean, if you're going to do a, a really a, a work in a building this size and you're doing work without a permit, how does a construction company even go in there and work without a permit? This is this is dangerous stuff, and apparently it cost somebody their life. 
Yeah, a 33-year-old construction worker uh, who was killed. No, I mean, you're right. I, it's Some of this stuff gets to be a little bit, um, you know, you get into, like, the costs associated with building and doing construction in New York City. We know if you pay any kind of attention to it, it's much more expensive than other parts of the country. And it's got a lot to do with the regulations you alluded to and, and the union agreements and, you know, the power of the unions in this area and so on and so forth. Um, but it gets to be a little scary when you figure that somewhere along the way, somebody decides, well, it's not worth it to do it at that price, or I'm going to figure out some construction crew that'll do it without a permit or do it without the union authorization and that type of stuff. And that's when this kind of thing happens. Um, you know, people looking to cut corners. And I just hope that that doesn't, you know, continue to happen more as we've seen that cost of building in New York City outpace other parts of the country in some cases like you know it's double what it would cost to build like a stretch of roadway for example in new york compared to other places you know what's amazing rush used to talk about this a lot the fact that and i've forgotten the exact detail on the the time that it took to put up the empire state building in the depression it was something like it was up in uh, it was such a short period of time and such a short period of time to put up major pieces of infrastructure in New York, like the George Washington Bridge. Of course, that's New York, New Jersey. But the Empire State Building was one that Russia used to talk about, how quickly that went up. Yeah, And we used to talk about that in, in terms of how long it took just after the World Trade Centers were destroyed by murderous terrorists, how long it took us to as almost um, over a decade to just rebuild anything and how long it takes to rebuild things. Look at the, oh, forget it. Remember the Third Avenue subway project and how right. long? The, exactly. Oh, it was like the endless wonder. Yeah. No, that's a great example and, of it. And, and the Third Avenue subway is the one where I first saw that breakdown of the cost associated with it. By the way, just to throw it out there for your listeners, Bo, uh, the Empire State Building construction began in 1930, and then 410 days later, 13 months, they had completed the Empire State Building. 13 months to build the Empire State Building. Go figure that. 13 Uh, months. And that building is solid. Right. I mean, I'm sure as many New Yorkers have, we've been in, we've gone to up. That building is number one. Of course, it's aged now, and it shows signs of the era that it was built in. Mm -hmm. Of course. But you talk about a solid building. That building is solid and beautiful. Yeah. 13 months to put it up. Yep. I remember hearing stories about with them building the Empire State Building, and the steel was coming from Pittsburgh, right? Like, they were they were manufacturing the steel and sending it out to New York. And it would be – it was such an efficient enterprise with the making of the steel and getting it out to New York that it was still hot to the touch, having come out of the, you know, whatever uh, – the, the, the steel furnace, I guess – in Pittsburgh, and then they'd load it on these trucks and bring it out here to New York. It was still hot to the touch because it had so quickly, it had still been made so so recently, those steel beams. So, yeah, wow. it was just an absolute operation that they were cranking out, getting this building done. And I and, think that's, James, that's what a lot of us, I'm sorry to cut you off, that's no, no, what a no. lot of us would like to see. A lot of us would like to see that America again, the can-do, let's, as they say up in uh, up north, let's get her done, get yeah, her done. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that there has to be a balance, of course. You know, like nobody wants uh, – I, I have no, don't have the numbers in front of me how many people were 
killed or grievously injured uh, working on the Empire State Building. I don't think anybody would be too shocked to hear those numbers. But um, and, you know, you go back further, like the Brooklyn Bridge and stuff like that. We know that there was a lot of dangers that, you know, hopefully in some ways they've made some steps to cut down on that stuff in construction. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that there's a balance to be had. Right. Yeah. Lisa just texted me. Hoover Dam took five years. That was the America. We can do it. We can do it right. And because uh, we talk, we have a call on this that I'm going to take about these planes, doctors, human error, people now on airplanes. You got passengers now so worried about the planes that they're inspecting the planes themselves and finding stuff. And th- so you have this is the America. Do it, do it right, do it excellently. Do it better than anybody else, and don't take all day to do it. That's what a lot of people want to get back to. Yep. Well, I think you're right, but I hate to tell you this, but the uh, new Gateway Tunnel that's supposed to be built under the Hudson, they actually just uh, updated that earlier this month where they said that it is officially behind schedule, and the U.S. Department of Transportation's Transit Administration says that work will likely take place until 2040. Good Lord. <laughs> Good Lord, Agnes. Okay. Yeah. James Flippin, WABC News. Thank you, my Thank friend, you, as Bo. always. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to hearing you. Thank you so much. James Goldenlake Case Nerdy here, Saturday morning. Your calls. Thank you for your patience. We're going to grab some calls when we get back. Let's go in with some temptations. This is a sad day for temptations, friends. This is the day that. Well, actually, it's a heavenly birthday. It's not a sad day. What's sad was February 1st. That's the anniversary of Dennis Edwards' death. He was only 75. But today is the anniversary of Dennis Edwards' birthday. Now, those of you tempting temptation fans know that Dennis Edwards was the voice that took over when David Ruffin was kicked out of the group. We didn't know at the time that he was kicked out. We thought he just left to go on his solo career. And a lot of people, even I remember being upset that David Ruffin was gone and having this little grudging resentment about Dennis Edwards until we saw Dennis perform. And Dennis Edwards turned out. He was amazing. Had a relationship, did he, with Aretha Franklin? Also briefly married to Ruth Pointer. Dennis Edwards' birthday. Dennis Edwards, born 1943. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. That drum track. Leon Chancellor's doing it. He died on this day in 2018. Pop, funk, jazz. He's on this, Billie Jean. He worked with Herbie. Hancock, Donna Summer, Carlos Santana, The Crusaders, Frank Sinatra, Weather Report, Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers, Thelonious Monk, 
John Lee Hooker. He was just like one of the most amazing session drummers ever. There's a story in the uh, SF Gate. That's the San Francisco Gate today. There's a big play out on the left coast about Michael Jackson. Some guy's really ticked off because it highlights Michael's talent and doesn't smear him with all of the other stuff. And he's about how the how this play is so dangerous because it doesn't show Michael's dark side. Sounds like a Derek Hunter thing to me. Anyway, telephones, you have been waiting, and thank you so much. Let's go to Christine in Connecticut. Christine, thank you for waiting. What's on your mind? Well, I want to let people know, you know, how bad Letitia James is, but she is also putting kids in harm's way, James. See, New York State, along with New Jersey and Connecticut, are three of the 16 states that allow schools when a kid comes to a teacher or school official questioning their sexual identity to hide this from parents. And now we found in uh, Scanty Antles, which is uh, near Syracuse, that uh, a school has been socially transitioning a child, again, without the parental knowledge and consent. And this is leading kids down a slippery slope. Christine, you are transgendered, and we always love hearing from you, and we love you so much. And let me just tell you, Christine, I don't know whether you've seen this. The World Health Organization announced that they are not going to be recommending uh, any issuing any recommendations on, quote, unquote, gender affirming care for children. And you know why? They cite the lack of scientific literature about it. In other words, the WHO, the World Health Organization, is saying, hey, There is no solid scientific backing for this so-called gender-affirming care. Does that surprise you? Uh, No. I think we have a problem with, especially with children, with um, the health industry, because these kids, many of them have pre-existing mental health comorbidities, and they're being glossed over with a uh, blanket gender dysphoric uh, diagnosis. And gone through, and they're being put on medicine, and of course, interrupting a child's puberty is gambling with their long-term future health. These kids are even worse because you're ignoring the real problem, James. Absolutely, and Christine, you just keep doing the good work and pointing this stuff out. You have gone through this, and that is why you have so much credibility with people. And I hope, Christine, in days to come, that you take a larger role and a public role. Because I think people like you will be the ones that help us as a society come to a sane, a sane position on this, where children are don't have to go through their adulthood questioning what has happened to them in their childhood because their parents went along with this faddish behavior. I appreciate that, James. I am aligned with multiple parental rights groups. I'm one of the spokespersons for the Hartford County Chapter of Moms for Liberty. And I have alliances with the Family Institute of Connecticut. And I was on the coalition when the Family Institute of Connecticut introduced, proposed a bill called Let Parents Parent. And we're trying to get that introduced when the Connecticut legislative session convenes on Wednesday. Thank you, Christine. We love you so much. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. You too. Robbie in the Bronx, you're up next. Robbie, make it quick, Uh, even though you've been on hold. Just how are you, Robbie? Okay. Good. Good morning, James. It's interesting. You started the show. We're talking about mediocrity and every story you talked about since then 
is somewhat re- is related to mediocrity, except the transfer of the soldiers. That if that was anything but. But as far as the airlines go, I see it in my industry. Uh, I think what they're doing is trying to squeeze every last pound they can out of the weight of a plane. And if it means taking a three ounce nut, making it two, uh, that's what they're doing. In my industry, I'm in home remodeling. I would kill to get the material that I was able to get 20 years ago. The stuff today, it's just being, uh, it's not, the quality is not there. So I think it goes across the board in every spectrum where they just squeeze every dollar they can, try to make it as light as they can. Even the story about the the construction accident, they had a bobcat on metal studs. You can't do that. It, it, you know, again, it, it's just it's this dumbing down of society. Almost. Wait, 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 wait. Explain this to me. Okay, they, you said they had a bobcat on metal studs. So the metal studs. From what that I'm hearing, up, yeah, they had right. on a level. It was on a level where it shouldn't have been. It should be on the foundation. For some reason, it was on a platform that it should. A bobcat's probably about easily a ton and a half, maybe two tons. It's not designed. The floor is not designed. Again, it gets back to um, mediocrity. It's like the, these guys don't know. They're, there's just no knowledge anymore. We're not teaching anything. Like as far as the planes go, I think it's really squeezing out every last pound they can. Um, I, it's just amazing. Look, We've been flying jet airplanes for 50 years, and we can't make one that's not going to have any issues. You have a point. And see, I've never even thought. I had. I've never had a lot of second thoughts about flying. It's like, well, of course the planes are safe. Of course the planes are safe. And then you're sitting, this this teenage kid is sitting next to it, has his shirt ripped off when the fuselage pops, when a piece of the fuselage pops out because it's not bolted in. And by the way, Boeing stock is taking a beating over this. And there are calls now for Boeing's leadership to be held accountable for it. And Boeing, of course, is in a massive fight with Airbus, and this fight has been going on for the last three, four decades with Airbus. Uh, and Airbus has, Airbus, look, that's government subsidies. That's European subsidies supporting Airbus. Boeing does not have that. So this is going to be interesting the way to see how this plays out. Uh, that was, a, by the way, an Airbus incident where uh, the, the, the passenger noticed that there were bolts missing from the wing. The Airbus later said, hey, I didn't, even if we had flown it, wouldn't, nothing would have happened because they weren't structurally uh, in danger. But this, this issue of mediocrity and dumbing down is an issue. We're going to take a quick break here. Thank you, Robbie. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're going to grab more of your calls when we get here. Later in the program, Princess Di will join us. Princess Di is this week. Yeah. Her, the, the the Michelle Obama web has grown. It's growing all around the country. But there's been a little hiccup. Anyway, time to get up. Oh! Oh, man, I needed that. There is Da Fanny news. And this is a good time to shake Da Fanny if it's your fanny. Okay, it's actually move and groove. We're halfway through the show. That means it's time for the morning dance here on WABC. Spira Gyra, morning dance. You can move, you can groove with us. Saturday morning on WABC 800-848. WABC is how you reach us. Later on, aside from Princess Di, Her Majesty, 
We'll be speaking with America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. And we'll be speaking with you in just a few moments. Keep it right here. Welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Buddy Holly brings us back here on WABC, of course. This is the day of that, of the infamous plane crash. After takeoff from Clear Lake, Iowa, the Beechcraft Bonanza went down. Buddy Holly, the big bopper, Richie Valens died. Known as the day the music died. All around the world. But we keep the music alive right here on WABC. You know, there's something else that happened on this day in music. And this, I think, it's, but, but it's not actually a song. It's, it's about musicians. And this one is, is, is Brian Johnson. That's also the name of Rush's engineer for many, many years, his Florida engineer. We had two uh, great engineers with Rush. One, Brian Johnson, the other, Mike Maimone, who is a Mr. Mike. But Brian Johnson of ACDC criticized Bob Geldof and also Bono for their very public charity work. And what he said was, these stars ought to stop lecturing audiences about charity work and instead just do your good deeds quietly. Do them in private. Stop trying to make a big deal publicly about it. Brian Johnson said, when I was working, when I was a working man, which I find interesting because he's part of ACDC and music is work. But he says, when I was a working man, I didn't want to go to a concert for some he uses an expletive to talk down to me that I should be thinking of some kid in Africa. I'm sorry, mate. Do it yourself. Spend some of your own money and get it done. Hey, half break, Nick, that sounds kind of... <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I don't want to be thinking about some kid. Stop lecturing me. Stop making me think about some kid in Africa. I've come to hear your music concert. Just spend your own money and get it done and stop lecturing me. I think that was pretty bold and pretty funny. I don't know whether he ever took any heat from it. But we love ACDC. We have Back in Black. We have Back in Black. Uh, see, ACDC, for those of you, <laughs> Back in Black is one of my favorites. And I saw ACDC do this live at that Foo Fighters gig in um, London. Yeah, Derek, I'm talking about it again. And it was the, I am not kidding, the single, I think, best rock and roll performance of a song I have ever seen in my life. ACDC killed this thing at, at Wembley. 
They killed it. It was unbelievable how great this band is. WABC Talk Radio 77. Heading back to the telephones. Sandra, you have been waiting quite some time. Thank you for your patience. What is on your mind this morning? Well, a couple of things. One, I sent you an invitation on your Instagram. I pray that you get to see it. I put it under Sandra from New Jersey, so you know it's me. So that's okay, I'll have to check I, Instagram. I don't go on Instagram that often. I'm going to have to make it a point to do a little more, but I'll go look for it. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. And um, second, um, I heard over the weekend that, no, the weekend starting, I heard during the week, that, actually yesterday, that Fanny... Oh, Willis is pronounced funny. I didn't know that, so I just thought I'd tell you that. I think it's kind of funny. Okay, can Fanny I just Willis. say something about that? She may be funny to some. She will always be da fanny to us. She is da fanny. She's going to be da fanny from now on. It's not even fanny anymore. It's da, D-A, <laughs> D-A fanny, da fanny. She is da okay. fanny, and she is certainly da fanny for her boyfriend. Okay, I'm just telling you what I heard. Okay, thank you. So I and I and I certainly I I totally agree. Okay, so and I we love Defani over here. Just saying, we, I'm a fan of Defani. <laughs> I know you are. Okay, and so, I've always I'm been a fan of Defani. <laughs> I was Def, I was a fan of Defani when I was a kid. I was a fan of Defani. You are so funny, Bo. I can't, I'm just saying. I can't take it. I love the family. Right. Okay. Okay. So I was thinking the family will make you feel well. good. If you are feeling bad <laughs> on a bad day, the the family can make you feel good. It can actually lift your spirits. Okay, I hear you. Okay. Okay. So I, I was thinking about Israel, and I was thinking about Sid, how he went to Jerusalem, and he's standing up for Israel. And, and I'm thinking about Mark Levin. He's personally heard how Israel is being treated. And I have to give a, a, a tip of my hat to John Fetterman. He's consistently standing up for Israel. So an incident happened about a week and a half ago now. You know, it's not new, but it happened. These uh, these Israeli soldiers, they dressed up in doctors' uniforms and uh, Muslim scarves, and they quietly went into a hospital in West Bank. So mm-hmm. they, they had the, Read the you story. You know the story? Oh, okay. yes. Should I? No, so, continue, because so, some people may not have seen it. And they took out some okay. terrorists. Okay. So, the, so, yes, they knew that there were three of them there, one of them in particular, planned this whole October 7th attack. So they went in there quietly. They had these guns that don't make noise. And they went to the third floor. They knew exactly where they were. They didn't hurt anyone else there. And they did what they had to do. Blood will be met with blood, they said. So there's an Article 18, the fourth Geneva Convention article. And it says that you can't go into hospitals and and do things, you know, like that. But at the end it says, but shall at all times be respected by both parties to the conflict. I didn't understand what that means. But I just feel in this case, those people had weapons in there. They had ammunition. They had plans to go back to Israel and do further harm to the people. So I think in this case, 
that article doesn't apply. That's my opinion. So I wanted to bring it up to you. Well, I appreciate it. Number one, let me just say, let me just talk about Sid Rosenberg for a minute. Um, if you, right before us on Saturday morning, I get a chance to listen to Sid, and uh, and Sid, and of course he's here during the week, every day. You will not find a stronger proponent for Israel security anywhere in the world than Sid Rosenberg. I've heard Sid on his morning show say during the week, Sid would, would tell you that he's not going to take anybody. He said, if it's me on the street, he's not going to take it. He's not going to take this anti-Semitism. He's not. He is fearless. And he is definitely a voice that is so staunchly aligned for not only Israel's uh, uh, survival, but Israel's thriving. And so there's no question that Sid Rosenberg is perhaps one of the leading voices in this city when it comes to defending American interest in Israel. And I just want to say, Sid, thank you for that. And also, of course, Mark Levin, dear friend Mark Levin. Uh, What we have, I believe, is in this administration doublespeak. I believe, and I firmly believe this, that the Biden administration actually does not want to see Israel do what it has to do to totally eliminate the terrorist threat. I believe that in this administration, they want Israel to pull back. But they have to be very careful of their public pronouncements. So on one hand, they mouth support for Israel. On the other hand, they do things that show that they really don't want Israel to succeed with their mission. You look at this UN organization where this this group within the UN that actually had members that participated in the attack on Israel. And the United States funds UN, UN funds this group. 10% of the members of this internal organization in the UN 10%, our intelligence said, are aligned with Hamas. How are they still at the UN? They should have been disbanded. We should stop funding. Of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been out in the news saying, oh, no, no, we need to, we need to fund them. I think that this administration, once again, is doing a doublespeak. They say one thing, but they really think another when it comes to Israel. Oh, we got to take a break. Time is flying. Princess dies coming up in the next hour. America's small caffeinated mom. Oh, I think that. Oh, you think that's why Grant married you? Ha <laughs> ha. Yes, America's small caffeinated mom. Rhonda Schrock will join us in the next hour as well. I'm being told to stop it, to behave. On my text, it's just booming with best. I guess I have talked about Duffany a lot. And we haven't even gotten into news about the. Okay, here's a headline as we go to the break. From the New York Sun. Defiant. Fannie Willis confesses to personal relationship with man she handpicked to prosecute Trump. Denounces allegations against her as salacious. No, baby, what was salacious 
was the power of the family. That's what was salacious in all of this. You get a guy from traffic court and you elevate him to prosecute the former president of the United States from traffic court. There's only one reason this happens. It's the fanny. That's the only reason a guy can go from traffic court to the most powerful prosecution in American history. The power of Dafani. We're coming back. Your call's coming up. Keep it right here. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC, that's Dennis Edwards. Uh, Temptations on WABC Talk Radio 77. Let's head back to the telephones. Robert in Suffolk County, you've been waiting. Thank you for your patience. How are you? Hi, thank you, James. Uh, Some statistics and facts and solutions for the illegal immigration problem. Now, this this is from the... Customs and Immigration Service, and the FBI, who compile these things because they have to report to Congress. 10 to 12 percent of illegal immigrants are people who do not belong in this country at all. They consist of insurgents, terrorists, Anarchists, subversives, soldiers of foreign military, criminals, members of crime, uh, of drug cartels and gangs, spies, saboteurs, agitators. Yeah. What's your point? No, no. What's your point? Wait, wait, wait. Stop. What's your point? I mean, so we have, I mean, what are you doing? You're coming down an escalator here. You're getting ready to run for president or something? Next, you're going to tell us that these countries only send the worst people here, that they and that we're stupid for allowing illegal immigrants to come in our country. That 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 that. I mean, what's your point? That they're sending spies over here? Yeah, okay. Democrats know that they're sending criminals over here. Well, of course, Democrats know okay. that. Subversives. Go ahead. Governor Governor Abbott has no. one one third of the solutions. What's that? One solution which was enacted by his state legislature, which every state can do if they're willing to, is to make it a crime for an illegal alien to reside in their state. Okay, let me just say this to you about that, because you can go on with this, but Wall Street Journal has an interesting article this morning. And the article goes to the point, I did not print it out because it's too long to get into, but um, reading through the article this morning, Wall Street Journal, they point out something that has been nagging at me all the way along, and that is this relationship that the federal government has constitutionally to immigration versus Abbott's stand. Now, Abbott is claiming that the sovereignty of Texas 
and that he's defending that, and constitutionally he has the right to defend the sovereignty of Texas because Texas is under invasion. And so one of the points in the Wall Street Journal article, they're saying, well, is Abbott going to commit war on who he says the invaders are? Because that is the only way that what he's talking about here makes constitutional sense. And this is a big issue. I don't like what has happened, this dereliction of duty that has happened with the federal government and immigration. None of us like it. But at issue, and I heard Chip Roy, who I have a lot of respect for, after the Supreme Court ruled on the right, the, the razor fence and all that, Chip Roy came out and said, well, Texas should just ignore the Supreme Court. I think that we reach a dangerous point in our society when we conservatives start talking about ignoring the Supreme Court and ignoring rulings that come from the Supreme Court. I think when we start questioning whether the federal government has has once they abrogate their responsibilities, whether they have also abrogated their constitutional right to it. Look, it is a matter of black and white constitution that the feds own the immigration issue. So I look, I support what governor Abbott is doing. I think that this is going to have to be resolved at the Supreme court whether he has the right to defend that state using the idea that Texas has been invaded and therefore the state is under attack. This is going to have to be addressed by the Supreme Court. But I also think it is dangerous, it is danger, danger, danger for conservatives to willy-nilly start saying, and I know Chip didn't do it willy-nilly, and I'm not attacking Chip Roy. But I think it's a dangerous position for conservatives to say, ignore the Supreme Court. I really do. Let me give you the last word on it, Robert. Yes, we don't have to ignore the Supreme Court. Now, the Border Patrol and uh, ICE used to set up checkpoints throughout various places, basically around the South, to weed out illegal immigrants who have committed crimes in this country. 25% of all crimes committed in this country, according to the FBI, are by illegal aliens. And this cuts across all ages, racial, gender, and ethnic backgrounds. So that's an enormous problem. Now, if it's a felony to have illegally come into the state violating federal law, and also the state giving, like Abbott did, the power of local officials to arrest persons and detain them, and also to make checkpoints where we can start weeding these people out at the local level we can start attacking the problem. And also, the people who are detained will be in the system. We will get them and know their true identities and why they are here instead of this phony migrant scam the government is trying to force upon us. I'm telling you, you have just called this what it is. It is a total scam. It is a 100% scam. 
The whole asylum racket is a scam. This non-vetting of people into this country is a scam. Six million illegal immigrants here under Joe Biden, people. Six million. Six million. Our number two in the can. Our number trio coming up. In our number trio, Princess Di will join us. Cannot wait. Cannot wait for America's small caffeinated mom to join us as well. And, of course, I cannot wait to speak with you on the telephones at 800-848-WABC. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza continues. James Flippin now, coming up with the news. Keep it right here on WABC. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, my friends, to hour number three. Here we are, third hour, so quickly. Coming up this hour, the one, the only, Her Majesty, Her Royalness, Princess Di, will be here with us. Also, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, will join us. Your telephone calls, 800-848-WABC. You're obsessed with this. You're you're obsessed, James. I'm getting texts. You're obsessed. Today in the DailyBS.com, Fanny Willis still hasn't responded to commissioner's request for information relating to alleged misuse of funds. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis did not respond to a request for information from a Fulton County commissioner relating to allegations that she misused county funds as of late last night. Fulton County Commissioner Bob Ellis says Willis has not responded to his January 19th request for information about whether or not county funds were misused by Dauphany. Ellis set a Friday deadline for Willis to respond, and she completely, Dauphany, ignored the Dauphany, Miss Legal Beaver, so to speak, ignored him. She ignored him. This is the Fulton County Commissioner. Hey, I'm in charge of the funds here. Are you misusing the fund? Please respond by Friday night. Dauphany waved him off. Nope. He says, to date, Fulton County, Da, Fanny Williams, has been non-responsive. Ooh, Dauphany is non-responsive. To the request for information, which I made 
of her in my capacity of chair as the audit committee of Fulton County. This guy's in charge of the audit. And she says, uh-huh. no, I'm not going to answer you. Despite multiple follow-up requests for this information, what should have been made available for public review and consumption, the district attorney has provided no response to our county auditor or me as to when this information will be provided. No, I am not obsessed. Well, maybe I am. Willis admitted to a relationship with Nathan Wade, a special prosecutor whose background was in traffic court. I added that. In a 176-page court filing. So she's responded, as you all know. She said, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing him. Now, remember, this guy divorces his wife. I think it was the day after DeFanny hired him, or the day before. It's one of those. The day after, I think, DeFanny hires the guy. The guy tells his wife, see you later. She is the one that got, I thank goodness for ex-wives sometimes. Because this woman is not taking it lying down, so to speak. She is the one that actually produced the receipts. Because this guy that works traffic court was just blatant. Put the stuff on his credit card where he and Duffany were traveling around. And she released it. If it wasn't for the ex-wife here, we wouldn't know half of what we know. The ex-wife, and she's a pretty thing. The ex-wife, she is. She, you seen pictures of this guy? She ain't this guy. Let me tell you, you put the picture of the ex-wife in the picture of Fanny, it's clear. One thing is clear. The Fanny has the Fanny, but the ex-wife has, whoa, she's beautiful. But anyway, the ex-wife, released the information, and that gave credence to all of the allegations that old Nathan was tapping DeFanny. So now DeFanny has admitted, yep, I'm being tapped. But she's still not turning over the records about the spending. Now, I would like to know where the outrage is from the left on this. You have this prosecutor going after a former president of the United States, and boy, was she a ball of fire. And not just the president. She's going after Rudy Giuliani. She's going after everybody in Trump's orbit that she can. She came up with a RICO investigation, criminal enterprise, racketeering investigation. And who does she put in charge of it? She puts in charge of this Folks, this is, and I keep stressing this, but this truly is the biggest criminal political case in our nation's history. We have never seen anything like this before. A RICO case involving an ex-president, involving his associates, people that worked on the campaign, that represented him legally. 
Historically, this is a big, big deal. And who does she put in charge of this RICO investigation? A guy that has never worked a criminal case in his life. A guy that has no background prosecuting RICO. His background was working in traffic court. And how did he get elevated to such a position? The only thing that we see as evidence is that he's tapping to Fanny. That's the only qualification that we see. And now she is refusing legitimate requests from Fulton County, the people that hire her, from the government that she works with. She is, somebody just sent me a meme that's just, <laughs> Fanny, I can't even describe this Fanny Willis meme that I just got sent. She's refusing to turn over the goods, the information on the money. It's astounding when you think about it. We are going to take a break a little bit early because, ladies and gentlemen, it is time when we get back for us to be joined by royalty. Americans, one and all, your princess will be with you shortly. The princess of policy. The one, the only princess, Diana Me. Crocodile Rock, Elton John. Three weeks at number one, begin on this day in 1973. Elton John takes us in, WABC Talk Radio 77. 800-848-WABC is how you reach us. Keep it right here. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Oh, yes, Her Majesty is back with us. We missed you so much last week, Your Majesty, Your Royalness, Your Highnessness. <laughs> oh, I missed you, too. And I'm so happy you're here. And no, I'm not going to be obsessed with Fanny the Fanny. While talking with you, Your Majesty, I'm getting complaints from people on text. You seem to be obsessed with the fanny. I am not obsessed with the fanny. This is news. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, you know, your caller was right. I have heard recently the pronunciation is funny, but that was never the pronunciation until you started doing your bit on the fanny. So I think the entire news media decided to change the pronunciation because it was a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a problem. It's not a problem for old Nate, though. He loved the fanny. And I just think somebody just said Nate must be a really good tapper. Nate, is, look, how do you go from traffic court I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to talk about this with you, but I'm obsessed. How do you, Princess Di, how do you get elevated from working traffic court 
Do you agree with me? Am I wrong in looking at it like this? This is the most powerful criminal. This is the most historic criminal case that we have ever had in the United States, a political criminal case. We've never seen anything like this, have we? Or am I wrong? Well, it is Georgia, on the other hand. And and as you know from just the little bit you've seen, and you're not talking just Democrats, but Democrats and Republicans, and the entire political uh, structure in Georgia is good old boys, old school of both parties. And so that is just how it works there. And not only Georgia, there are a lot of uh, areas like that in this country that need reform. Georgia? Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't give this, this secretary of state down there. Please, Rhino, the governor. I used to think governor was was a conservative. And frankly, I don't want to call the guy a rhino, but whatever. Well, I'm, he is not I'm just not. On, he has the ability to take action on the obvious corruption in this situation. And he is just hands off. He is perfectly happy with the fanny fanny and the entire, all the shenanigans going on. Well, okay. at least he's keeping his hands off to Fanny. That's more than we can say about this guy, Nate. Look, I mean, how do you go from traffic court to working the most powerful political case, the most important historically political case in our nation's history, and you're elevated from traffic court? Why does this surprise you? Is this any different than any of the other arrangements that we see in the political world every day? Mm, interesting question. <clears throat> All right, let's talk black vote and barber shops. ABC News. You know, they have to go to some guy that says, yep, yep, go to the the black the barber shop. Why they're the country clubs for black America, the barber shop. I have never in my life viewed a barbershop as a country club, Diana. I'm sorry. I, I resent the whole notion that somehow a barbershop is a freaking country club for black America. Really? But this is what you get out of ABC News. Uh, where's the watermelon, ABC? Come on. If you're going to do that, tell us we like watermelon, too. And why don't we dance a jig for you while we're at it? I mean, and, and can we, can I have a mint julep, too? I mean, really? Uh, okay, so ABC News, we got to go to the barbershops to find out what black Americans think about poor old Joe Biden. And because this is where they're going to make the stand. This is South Carolina, South Carolina. And that's where it's all going to come because we finally got rid of them pesky white people up there in New Hampshire and Iowa where it's too white. And we're going to finally get to the nub of Democrat politics and let the black people have a turn in South Carolina and tell us who the next president's going to be. Um, yeah. How are they doing with their let's get the black vote operation in South Carolina? Well, I'm so glad we have a chance to talk about this today because, James, today is the Democrat primary in South Carolina. And it is really a cynical arrangement. The Democrat Party knows they have no chance of winning the state in the presidency. This is going to be won by the Republicans, most likely Donald Trump. But they've made this primary gift, you know, in return for political gain that was provided by James Clyburn 
the congressman there who helped uh, Biden in his first election when he was failing and not doing well. All of a sudden, there was a scheme that Clyburn and Obama arranged, Obama behind the scenes, where all the other uh, uh, candidates dropped out and they gave it to Biden. And South Carolina is being rewarded today 100 percent because of racial reasons. It is the most cynical racism. And of course, that is typically from the Democrat Party. And it also shows you, you live by identity politics, you're going to die by identity politics. And that has been the Democrat Party political situation for 70 years. And this particular primary, which is today, the Republican primary isn't until the 24th of this month, is 100 percent racial. That's all this is. They're, and, and they're in, in trouble, the Democrats are. They cannot gin up any enthusiasm for Biden. And so they're doing this usual cynical tour of, you know, racially, you know, honored places, which is black colleges or um, barbershops and political has a piece on the soul food restaurant that Democrats <laughs> <are going> <laughs> <to>. <laughs> Oh, this is hysterical, Diane. I'm, I hadn't seen the story until you sent me, until you sent it to me, and I just can't stop laughing. This is hysterical. <laughs> yes, Hannibal's Kitchen in Charleston is uh, Hannibal's very- Kitchen. Yes, Hannibal's Kitchen is the name of the restaurant. It's a soul food restaurant, and this is the place that politicians, according to uh, Politico, flock to every four years. And so Biden's been there. There's a lot of Democrat operatives that are being uh, sent there, as well as the country club barbershops and the black churches and the and the uh, traditionally black colleges. And it isn't working, which is the thing that is so fun about this, because there is so little enthusiasm among the African-American, especially the youth vote, that they are struggling just to get people to come to their little rallies. And they have been sending out all of the usual political operatives and the local politicians to these places, and they're not getting anybody to come in. There was this one Politico uh, leads of that article. There was a whole bunch of visitors from Scandinavia at the restaurant. And they- yeah, so they go to the Skull Food restaurant looking for the black voters, and instead they end up with about 16 white Danish political tourists. In other words, the Vikings. They went looking for the black vote, and they found the Vikings sitting in a soul food restaurant. It's the Vikings. I'm surprised Uhtred wasn't there. Uhtred would have probably just, I mean, (laughs) Uhtred, I don't like Spider-Man. I'd rather have Alfred the Great. I mean, come on. <laughs> but it just shows you that the lack of political forward thinking among the Democrat uh, operatives. This is old school Democrat, you know, organizing, and they haven't changed with the times, and they haven't noticed that the, the generation coming up is not malleable like the older people have been consistently because the young people see the results. And they're like, this is not working. There's a, a lot of vocal enthusiasm that you see for Trump. 
among, uh, now I'm not sure what the numbers are going to be, but there are people who are willing to go on the record from the younger African-American community and saying that they like Trump and they're going to vote for him. And Like fact, Snoop Dogg. Like, yes. well, Snoop Dogg didn't say he was going to vote for him, no. but Snoop Dogg changed his tune. All of a sudden, Snoop Dogg out talking about, I love Trump. Trump ain't done nothing to hurt me. I have nothing, nothing but, but love and respect for Trump. Yes. And in this political piece, they end up with an anecdote from a, a sports equipment place where the, the, the owner and one of the training uh, teachers both said that they were going to vote for Trump. And this, to me, is a change. People are willing to say it on the record, and they are quoted by name in this article. And this is something that a lot of younger voters are saying proudly and without any kind of Fear of community shunning, which has been the problem, uh, you know, in the African-American community. A lot of times if someone was a free thinker or going off the quote unquote Democrat reservation, that they'd be come down on like a ton of bricks. And now the younger people especially are saying, nope, we see the results. This stuff is not going to work on them. And I think it's delightful that they're going to demonstrate it today as we're talking because they're not going to get a whole lot of voters to even come out. There was one special election last week in the Democrat Party in South Carolina. They only got 800 votes. There are oh, goodness. Not a, it's really interesting. And so that is the thing. They're also having problems trying to convince Democrat activists not to vote as they have been in the Republican primary for Nikki Haley. So they are actually coming up with the iceberg and the you know, Titanic have hit themselves. Their own strategy is hurting them. The strategy they used in um, New Hampshire, uh, the enthusiasm for that strategy among Democrat activists was to vote for Nikki Haley in the Republican primary. And so you can't vote in both primaries in, in South Carolina. And so the Democrat leadership is all upset because their their voters are actually actually not going to vote today, a lot of them. They're going to try and vote, which is not going to affect the outcome for Trump, but if they're going to vote on the 24th for the Republicans. So this has been a huge mess. It started after uh, Biden was elected the first time, and this is the political problem that they created for themselves today. I love it. And by the way, and I know, despite what everybody's saying, that there are people looking at how the way Democrats are are treating illegal aliens versus yeah. uh, their own communities. And you have yeah. people that I read yesterday, a story from a guy who was using the F-bomb every two minutes to describe the stuff that's going up in Baston, where they've closed uh, the, the community center in the black neighborhood of Roxbury just so yeah. that they could turn it over to illegal immigrants. Okay, so uh, Sotomayor. The left is doing what with Justice Sotomayor? This is so hilarious, I cannot tell you. The, the, The left is trying to get the wise Latina, Sonia Sotomayor, who was nominated um, by Biden, to retire from the Supreme Court because they're worried that as a 69-year-old, and she has had health issues, she has type 1 diabetes, that she is going to have a, a health crisis under Trump and that Trump oh, is going to 
to replace her, and it will be 8-1. They're also trying to push out Elena Kagan, who is 63. And so there's all these activists, and people are going on CNN and outright saying that both of these women need to retire now so Biden can replace them. And in, in fact, in preventing a disaster of Trump nominating and getting in two more um, Supreme Court justices. So this shows you they know that it's going to probably be Trump. They are also saying that it's probably going to be a Republican Senate majority, which I'm not sure I see, but that's what the left is seeing. And this could actually happen. So it could be an eight to one or a nine to nothing Supreme Court with Republican appointed uh, justices. Oh, my goodness. The most amazing development on the Supreme Court, you know, in in my lifetime that they are trying to push out people that they actually got in. This is amazing. (laughs) Fascinating. And you talk about karma. Whoa, oh, whoa. This is like the Ginsburg problem on steroids. This is amazing. That's what did it. They saw what happened because Ginsburg refused to retire, even though they kind of sweetly asked her to. And that was a disaster for them on sweeping um, rulings ever since. And they are determined never to let that happen again. So, you know, these poor two women Supreme Court justices are their victims now. All right. So thank you for that, Princess Diana. Before you leave, your little spider web out there of operatives around the country has grown. I will not mention names. I don't have to because people are seeing them pop out in news stories. This thing that you started that is going to be Michelle Obama. Now you have other names coming into your web that are pushing the same thing. Only this week, James O'Keefe came up with some guy that he dug out of the White House who claims to have inside knowledge and said Michelle Obama is not interested. She saw what happened to her husband in terms of the way he had was, was treated, and she is definitely not interested in the presidency. Now, of course, I expect you to just dismiss this guy, but I've been saying this all along. She is not interested, and our bet still holds, and I don't care how many of your operatives continue to voice support for you and tell me that I'm an idiot politically, it's not going to be Michelle Obama. <laughs> well, let me tell you, first of all, this this uh, James O'Keefe interview, which, which did go viral, he has an organization called OMG, the O'Keefe Media Group, and James himself went undercover by putting on a pair of glasses, which is just hilarious, and had a, you know, kind of a date with this guy whose name is Charlie Krager, K-R-A-I-G-E-R. His title is cybersecurity policy analyst and foreign affairs executive for the White House. And, you know, he presented himself as super important and super, you know, key executive in the White House. He really isn't. He's a low-level operative. And what he actually said was when he was an intern, that that is something. He heard Michelle Obama say. Now, he was an intern. I found an article uh, from MLive, a Michigan um, um, organization, October 5th, 2011, when this guy was chosen as an internship 
before the White House. That was 2011. So he was an intern in Obama's second term. This term, this was many, many years ago where he heard this quote, and that is something that that Michelle Obama did say. She hated the White House. She said it to everybody, and she said it uh, apparently in his hearing, and he recounted that when he was talking to James O'Keefe. However, times have changed. And that is no longer the operative uh, philosophy of Michelle Obama. She is, as you know, worried about uh, Trump coming back in, and she is going to try and stop him by, uh, at the convention, becoming the Democrat nominee. Take it to the bank. $100 for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to to raise you some on this one, but I can't figure out what. Okay. Listen, Princess Di, as always, a wealth of information. Uh, this story of what's going on in South Carolina is fascinating. Uh, you blew my mind with your with this information on Sotomayor and what the left is trying to pull. That blows my mind. I love it. And this is one of the reasons why I so enjoy talking with you. I learn stuff from you all the time. And I still get to be right on the major things like Michelle Obama. So it all works out. You know? Yeah. Uh <laughs> My princess, I love you dearly. Thank you so much for being with us. Ditto, Sir James. Thank you. WABC Talk Radio 77, Princess Di. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming back later on. Before we wrap up, you will hear from America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Your telephone call is coming up next, 800-848-WABC. Half right, Nick. What's the deal with this? Is this the day that the Beatles went in the studio to do this one? Um... Come on. Let's try to hear your voice. That's it correct. Is. Yep. Yeah, that's Half Brick Nick, ladies and gentlemen. And there's a good reason we call him Half Brick Nick. He is Half Brick. This is the guy that gets confused whether to have tea or coffee. It depends on which side wins, his American side or his Brit side. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. WABC Talk Radio 77. Your call is coming right up. Keep it right here. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. W.A.B.C. Talk Radio 77. You know what? I want to get back to the phones, get as many calls as we can. So let's get to, uh, let's see who shall we go to. Sandra in Flushing, Queens. How are you doing, Sandra? Welcome. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. What's on your mind this morning, Sandra? Yeah, well, I just want to talk a little bit about um, African-Americans, we keep well. I was one until I changed, but uh, African Americans keep voting Democrats, and Democrats over the years have not been doing anything but words of promise to the African American voters. And so I say I don't know why we continue or they continue to vote for them because if you look at when Joe Biden was coming in, he promised that he would forgive the student debt loans. And once he got in there, like I was listening to you earlier, somebody said 
He forget up about all the promises that he he has made to the African American community. He talks about it for a while. He talks about they talk about reparation and then everything drops off. And once they get into house, they forget everything. And I think we need to shift our thinking because they are not doing anything for the African-American community. If you look at the Democrats, they're the ones who remove affirmative action. They're the ones who remove the funding for schools. Everything that uh, the black community were receiving, the Democrats are the ones who take it away from them. And if you go back into history, you realize uh, that the uh, Democrats are the ones who destroy the African-American community. And so we need to take a pull back and start to think about that. So that's one. The next thing is uh, what I noticed is that the Democrats, uh, they're going to all these states such as Georgia, Florida, trying to get all the African-American votes. And, you know, they're saying everything that they can say just to get those votes. And one of the things that kind of strike me a little bit when I look at Georgia, uh, uh, since it's a red state, they took Donald Trump there and they prosecuted him there, I guess, to deter votes from the African-American community. And also uh, the three uh, soldiers who unfortunately just got killed in Syria, you know, to me, it somehow seems how they're from Georgia. So I think the Democrats are doing everything that they possibly can to to go back into in, into the White House. And it's not doing anything for the African-American community. And another thing that I want to talk about is the, um, the, the migrants. Uh, back in 2017, I think it was 2018, they started deporting all the, uh, the, uh, the illegal immigrants back out of the country uh, with the ICE, uh, uh, you know, group. And then now they want these people back here so that they, they can Six get Six million. Votes. Six million. Six million. And you said for votes. And the Democrats will deny that, Sandra. Look, there are some things that I need to just correct one thing. Joe Biden did give some student aid relief. He did keep that promise. But that wasn't directed toward black Americans. But he did keep that promise, and I believe it's unconstitutional what he's done. Democrats didn't take away affirmative action. The Supreme Court ruled it can't be done. Now, that doesn't take the blame for them. Affirmative action did not help the black community. It actually hurt them by putting the emphasis on race rather than merit. But overall, everything that you say, you, you, are, you are totally right on time in line, Sandra. Love your call. Love your passion. Love your thinking. Patrick Burns is on the line, one of my favorite people. He is a conductor. Where are you today, Patrick? James, I'm in a storage room at the First Baptist Church in uh, lovely Statesboro, Georgia, here working with... In uh, Georgia! We just yes, got to... yes. <laughs> and what are you doing, <laughs> to, what are you doing in Georgia, Patrick? Well, I'm working with uh, the awesome uh, Georgia Music Educators Association District 1 honor band uh this weekend the 11 and 12 upper class band and um they're doing a great job we have uh had all day rehearsal yesterday and we have a 10 to 12 today and a concert at five o'clock there's a couple of other groups that are playing so we do we're each kind of doing a mini concert and kids here and the directors and parents and everybody here in the first baptist church is wonderful this is just amazing we're playing your music in the background one of my favorite pieces 
by thank the way. You. We're playing Oasis. Oh, that's o- Oasis. I hear it. Yeah, thank you. We yes. did that here uh, four years ago, actually, in, in this district. So that also is timely. So thank you for playing that. Yes, and you are, of course, New Jersey, and you do a lot of work here up in New Jersey. And I just wanted to give a shout-out. You know, Patrick, you do so much good work. And for people that love music, for people that love classical music and and, and want children and and young adults to be involved, tell people what they can do, how they can help, what they can do, anything, Patrick. Well, I mean, your school music programs are the place to start. Um, fortunately, in New Jersey and, and the tri-state area, we and really throughout the country, we have so many amazing public school and private school music programs, so your child can get involved from when they're in, in some districts as young as first or second grade if they're playing strings, fourth or fifth grade when they're playing wind instruments, brass instruments, and percussion, and they can very often play right up through uh, high school, and if you're a singer, you can get involved in singing groups in school. Um, it's the the best way to sort of plant the seeds with younger people. And, of course, in, in our country, we have many, many, many community ensembles, uh, adult and youth ensembles, instrumental, vocal, jazz, classical. I mean, there's such an array of um, of options in our country and in the tri-state area where we are. Um, that uh, you know, you can. There's something for everybody. There really is. It's a it's a vibrant community at all levels. Wow. We enjoy. We hope. Give us a report on the concert. Hope it goes up well for you. Can't wait to speak with you again. Well, and well, let so me much, just Dave. say, Patrick. Let me just say how blessed I am to have you as a friend and as a teacher. Oh. And I so and, appreciate you. And I appreciate you, brother. And you know that I love you very much. And and thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you, Patrick. Patrick Burns, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite conductors. I learned from him so much. And uh, we're going to take more of your calls. In fact, let's head back to telephone land right now before we have to take our next break. Uh, Let us go to John in Long Island. John, you're up next on WABC. Hello. Hey, John, what's on your mind this morning? Hey, um, that thing that happened with the police in the city getting beat up, I think it's very sad and disgraceful. Mm-hmm. But do you think that's a, a blessing in disguise that people are waking up that these courts, if they, they're not helping the police, they're not going to help the people. I, I see them on the news saying, you know what, how how we feel safe in this city if the cops are getting beat up and the people are going out with no bail. And did you hear James Flippin's newscast uh, where he where he actually – uh, played sound bites from Alvin Bragg, and Alvin Bragg couldn't even address directly whether these five illegal immigrants who gave a beatdown in Times Square to two New York City cops are actually going to be deported, or whether he, he obfuscated the point. Do we even know where they are? Yeah, but My if we deport them, they'll be back Monday. Well, that's true too. But if you do nothing. So we've had well, so yeah, just think about the jail is exactly. But he released them out of jail. Alvin Bragg released them. So here's what you have: you have illegal immigrants who are in the country illegally beating down New York police officers. They go free. We've heard reports this week that you have illegal immigrants setting up organized crime rings in New York to steal merchandise in New York, but they go down to Florida to spend it and to have a good life. 
They don't want to commit the crimes in Florida because if they get caught, Florida <laughs> will throw them in jail, but New in York won't. Right. So let's go to New York to do the stealing and then go down to Florida to live the life. Now, if We've you've seen this today, on the news, you think you'd bring your family here to go on vacation? I'm telling you. And then you hear that Mayor Adams is giving away $53 million in debit card money to illegal aliens because it will save the city $6 million, $7 million bucks. It might save them in shop they getting free cards. John, you know, it, it, it's, not a, it's not a dream, John. This is actually happening. And, yes, we are all living through this nightmare. Thank you for the call. we got to head to a break. WABC, thank you, you too. WABC, Talk Radio 77. When we get back, America's small caffeinated mom joins us. Keep it right here on WABC. Oh, yeah, Billy Paul. 1970, this one. On the Philly International label, me and Mrs. Jones. is the news and talk station of New York with Bo Snerdly. Now, folks, please pay attention to this real New York 77 WABC. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC. And we're going to check in with America's small caffeinated mom. You know, today is the heavenly birthday of Johnny Guitar Watson. Uh, a lot of people don't know who he is. He is, uh, he was just an icon in the music industry. Uh, he pioneered guitar feedback and using reverb back in 54 before Hendrix. Okay, we called him in our generation Wawa Watson because he was also uh, one of the first guys to use the Wawa pedal. Now, this guy, Carl Weathers died, and he had the gold star death. You go peacefully in your sleep. That's the gold star death. You know, Johnny Guitar had the silver star death. According to eyewitness reports, he was on tour in Yokohama, Japan. He collapsed mid-solo. He was playing a guitar solo, fell out mid-solo. Last words, ain't that a bitch? And that was it. He got the silver star. It is time to check in with America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Ron, I don't have a whole lot of time here. I want you to give us a recap of your essay of this week. But I also have to just ask, no, I'm not going to ask about it because people say I'm obsessed by it. Not going to ask you. We won't go there today. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, the essay today, James, is called A Sea of Ones. Um, years ago when I was a young mother, all the boys were in school. And I was extremely busy. I was working full time, writing a weekly newspaper column. I would go up to the coffee shop three times a week early to write, come home to do my job. And one day as I was driving along in the early morning quiet, I found myself saying five words uh, to the Lord. I just said, ordain all of my appointments. For years after that, I would pray that prayer daily, ordain all of my appointments, and those five simple words marked a transformational shift in my life because all at once I began to look at the people that were around me, to look at the people who crossed my path, not as interruptions or um, hindrances, but as divine appointments and people that I could encourage. And I just began one by one as they would come up uh, beside me, behind me in the line, just 
beside me at the coffee shop, anywhere. I, I would just find ways to speak encouragement to them. Well, I, I call those my Rhonda in the world stories because that was what would happen when Rhonda would go out into the world. It was amazing. And I began to see that everybody I was encountering was somebody else's kid. And I also had kids in the world. Well, one of the stories I, I wanted to just share with you to, as an example of the encounters I began to have was one night my husband and I were grocery shopping. And by that time, our oldest son had already begun his slide into drugs, alcohol, the whole thing. And behind me, behind us in line were two young men. They were wearing college gear. And the one immediately be, behind me was very, very tall. I am five feet nothing. This guy was very, very tall, looked like a football player, huge afro, and they were buying alcohol. And I, I hold no judgment in my heart for people who buy alcohol, but I looked at them and I suddenly saw my son. And I felt mm. that nudge on my back and I turned around. And I began to speak to them about my son, about my hopes and dreams for his future, um, their mothers and their hopes for their future. And I said, as you come to my mind, I will pray for you. And James, two times as I was speaking to them, they, they didn't utter one word. They just looked at me like deer in the headlights. But that tall, tall young man with that glorious afro bent down, 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 and he hugged me twice. And he said this to me, thank you. Well, we walked out of the store, and my husband says to me, I thought we were going to have to run. <laughs> and I, I, through my tears, said to him, I hope that somewhere another mother is speaking to our son like that. Well, fast forward a few years when um, our son was reaching his, his nadir, and one night as we went to bed, I just said out loud in the dark, God, as I have been faithful to speak to other people's children, send someone to speak to mine. I, and I was kind of frustrated, angry, uh, very full of fear. The next day of all the things in the world, James, my husband was actually able to reach him by phone. We were, he was homeless. We could not always get a hold of him, but he was able to reach him. And this is what happened. He was on the corner panhandling, holding his sign, and a stranger approached him. He gave him some money for food, and he left. He came back, and he said, I had a motel up the road. I have one night that I've paid for I'm not going to be able to use. If you would like a place to sleep and to shower, you're welcome to use it. Thank you, sir. And he left. More time goes by, and a third time that strange man appeared, and he says to my son, I was 30 minutes up the road, and God told me that I had to come back and warn you that your time is short, and you had better get right with God. I don't know if you're going to get COVID, yes. I don't know if you're going to die or go to prison or be seriously injured, but you had better get right with God because your time is running out. And I cried. Because the night before, I had asked God to do the very thing that I had been faithful to do. Well, just this week, our son actually mentioned that story because he had been sharing his testimony, his, his story with the residents at the rehab facility that he now works at. And I said, you know, by the way, when that guy came and, and said those words to you, what what did it do? What did it accomplish? And he said, well, I believe that it planted a seed of the fear of the Lord. And it also told me that God still had his eye on me. Wow. And so he, yes, he and I both believe, James, that that man's very stern, timely warning was what kept him from sliding into utter 
just completely giving himself over to darkness and destruction. And when the time was right, he came back. I teach my sons frequently the law of sowing and reaping, James. It's real. We will reap what we sow, good and bad. What is the name of the essay again? A Sea of Ones, O-N-E-S. We must develop a of to see them. Yes. It's a I'm going to keep, I, I'm taking away from this, ordain all of my appointments. I'm going to talk yes. to you about that at length at some point, because that's yeah. deep. This this entire essay is deep, and that story, Rhonda, is supernatural deep. The yeah. power, the yeah. power, the power. It's and like if there a is a, to be. And if a there is a power that is more powerful than the power of Daphne, we know what that power is. That is the power of God. I'm tied in, and so are you. Yes, it's a privilege to plant those seeds, James. It's absolutely a delight to be the planter of seeds like that. And what could happen if so if so many more of us were planting those seeds? America's Small Caffeinated Mom. You can find the essay yep. on the Daily BS. Yes. We got to run, folks. And I'm sorry for those on the call we could not get to today. God willing, we'll be back Monday for Boston Early's Rush Hour. I hope to hear from you then. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless, protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love and gratitude and sincere gratitude. It is for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. As I said, God willing, we will be back on Monday. The Boston Early's Rush Hour at 4 p.m. on this, the crown jewel of American radio, WABC. And until then, thank you to my crew. As always, best crew in the business. Bye.